When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros. From business owners to industry leaders, you'll hear about new equipment, building a company, and growing your business, and how the construction industry is changing. Let's do it. This is the On Grade Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon Weinline and Devin Boudreaux. everybody welcome to on grade this is episode 15 i got my co-host devin in studio what's up my brother what's going on man so uh we had two people booked for this episode and uh neither one could make it so no uh, one likes us anymore no we're not cool yeah, so we're gonna just do this episode for everybody we we're gonna shoot from the hip kind of just talk about some things uh we you know we've been talking about growing a company and building a company and stuff so i thought we'd kind of tell you guys our story um so, Devin, uh, you know, we kind of talked about when you were in Canada, how you got Ruben going, but you want to talk about your story now. You've been down here about nine months, so maybe you want to tell your story to everybody. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely been a different market, definitely a bit of an adjustment for sure. It's kind of – it's like that anywhere you go. So when you start somewhere and you look at the marketplace, every market has its own quirks, its own way it works, the size, the scale, the scopes everything's different. So even though you're in the same industry, you're doing the same stuff, it's all similar. You got to get used to how things are done and, and what the demand is in that market. So coming down here, that was the biggest hurdle to kind of figure out what we were going to jump into, what the niche was going to be, you know, what we really wanted to, to chase after. And the biggest thing for me coming from Canada, coming down here, you know, Canada's got, I think 36 million people, give or take for the whole country. Texas is what, 29 million for the state. So you're just, the scale is, is monumental and you come to Dallas and it's just, it's mind blowing for someone like me to come from where I came from, to come down here and see the scale and the amount of work going on. It's, uh, it's definitely a little bit overwhelming for sure. But, uh, at the end of the day, the principles are all the same. You know, it doesn't matter what market you're in, how big it is, where you're at, how many people are there, how much work's going on. At the end of the day, building a company and building a brand and, and getting going is, the same anywhere you are you know you got to figure out what service you're going to provide find a way to provide value in that space and then start finding customers you're basically trying to look at what product it is you want to offer how you're going to best service it and then find the customers to do it with you know that was the the biggest hurdle for us uh coming down here and you know at the end of the day it was uh it was interesting and very fast you know i'm i did this on such a smaller scale up north in Canada with a smaller marketplace and way more competition. And you come down here and you have that much 
more volume of work, you can scale way quicker, which is good. And it can also be bad too, because if you're doing it right, it's great. If you're doing it bad, you're going to crash that much faster. You know, that's, that's the thing. It's, uh, it's been good though. It's been, uh, it's challenging, but also good at the same time. I don't know what, uh, I think the, the biggest hurdle was really just kind of getting started. And that's the same anywhere, you know, when you're starting a business, it's getting started and just figuring out those spaces, the customers you want to service, the work you want to do. Once you got that figured out, it's just a matter of doing marketing and whether that's picking up the phone and cold call, cold calling, which I did lots of, you know, introducing myself to people, talking to people, paying for marketing, getting some Google ads going, you know, your website, all that stuff. It's really just brand recognition and getting your name out there to start finding work, find your first customer knock the job out of the park, do an amazing job. They're going to refer you to other people. You know, that's just how it goes. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether it's the dirt world or selling cookies, you know, at the end of the day, if you deliver a phenomenal product and you do a great job delivering it, service that customer, you're going to either a build a relationship with them and have continuing business with that person or that business, or B, they're going to refer you to other people, you know, and you don't need to overcomplicate it. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Business is really simple when you boil it all down and it's literally just perfecting your product, perfecting the message to deliver that product to people and going out and doing it yeah. over and over and over again. Once you figure out how to bake the cake, don't change the recipe. Just no. keep baking the same cake, man. That's, that's what it is. Right? It's just repetitive. It's all it is. I yep. mean, it's a cadence. It's like, just like when we're in the military, all it is is cadence. Yep. You know? You're starting here and you're ending here and then you're starting all over again in the same spot i mean it's uh that's really all it is you just you learn what everything costs you learn how to do it and once you do that you execute over and over and over again yeah and then it yeah the jobs might be different but the process is all the same yeah and you can always refine the process and find ways to streamline it and stuff but at the end of the, the biggest thing to remember is you have to stay true to what it is that you're delivering so don't mess the product up don't change the product if it's working and it's what's keeping you going it's always good to refine it and make it better but don't reinvent the wheel you know and that's that's the big thing get going develop once you find problems and you have pain points in your business find solutions to those pain points figure out ways to work around them and make that better but you're not looking to reinvent the wheel you know no. And that's the thing that I see all the time. You and me, we talk about it. And he sees other companies are like, well, we're different than everybody else. Well, what makes you different? Is it your work ethic or is it because you run a different brand of equipment? Because I don't see it. You're doing the work the exact same way everybody else does it. There's nothing that you're doing that's making you separate yourself. Where a company that their employees value their time being there, they value the company. They want to watch the company grow and succeed. Um, the clients see it. They want to help you succeed. That's the company that you want to go to. That's the company you want to become. That's the company you want to model your company when you're building it after yourself. That's the company that is going to help you be that guiding light to get you where you want to be. So if you see a company out there that's like a $500 million company and they're doing something the right way, probably look into what they're doing because that's the company you want to model yourself after. I'm not saying you want to model everything they're doing, but the basics of that company might be from 50 years ago, but they're still following those principles and that's what made them who they are. They're doing something right. And at the end of the day, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, and 
it, it's always different. You know, every industry is different and there's always new industries that pop up and tech and, you know, whatever else. And there's lots of spaces where you can be creative and, and come up with a completely new item or product or offering to the market. And that's, that's definitely a huge part of business, but in the dirt world, we're not really reinventing the wheel. You know, we're, we're moving dirt, we're putting pipe and utility in the ground, you know, and that hasn't really fundamentally changed. The products get better, the ways of doing things and the equipment gets better, but it's still the same, you know, it hasn't changed drastically over the years. So you don't need to necessarily go out and, you know, pull it out of the sky of how you're going to do this. There's tons of companies out there that are successful and have built massive brands and everything from, you know, from zero to 500 million or, or more. You can look at those companies and see what they're doing, see what they're using for tech. You know, like we were talking about last podcast, the ag tech, you know, stuff like that. Those are all things that you don't have to go and find something completely different. You can model what they're doing and build your company like that. And there's nothing wrong with doing it. It's uh, especially in a space where there's a huge market. Why not? You know, there's a demand, fill it. And then you can come down to your niche or your, what sets you apart can be your customer service, you know, the attention to detail, the quality of the work you're putting out, you know, all those little things as small as they sound, that's really what can set you apart from other people and other customers and other businesses is literally just making sure you're doing all the small things, right? Get them right. Keep rolling and grow. But it's, uh, it can be daunting when you don't know these things and it can be daunting when you're starting out. Once you get into business a couple of years and you realize it, that you're not looking to reinvent the wheel. You're just trying to, to build another wheel is really what it is. Yeah. Make it a little bit better, make it a little bit different, but it's still a round wheel. that's going to exactly. go in circles. So what do you, what do you think we need to talk, tell these guys about growth strategies though? You know, growing strategies for growing a company. What are some things that you would recommend to them? Well, I mean, it, it really depends on what's your appetite for, for risk. So everyone's going to have a different, a different approach. They're going to have a different appetite, you know, and everyone's going to have a different comfort level. So you can grow a company 10 different ways. You can grow it a hundred different ways. It really just boils down to what is your comfort level? What's your appetite for risk? How fast do you want to get somewhere? You know, how big do you want to go? And you really got to look at what the end goal is. What's your end goal? You know, in 20 years or 30 years, what do you want your company to look like? Once you know that, work backwards. You may want to be a two man show for the rest of your life. You know, you may want to do small jobs and residential work forever. You may want to grow to a massive conglomerate of a company. Those are two different growth strategies and both of those have different ways of doing it. So it's all coming down to what do you want? You know, what is your goal? What's your vision? What's your, you know, your, your end trajectory. And then once you know that you can start working backwards from it, you know, it's, uh, it's not that hard, you know, it's just a matter of working backwards and you can look at any company out there and break down their growth or how they did it by a little bit of research, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot and you're not the first person to do it. Tons of people have done it before you and tons are going to come after you and do the same thing. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode, but I'd like to take a minute of your time to talk to you about today's sponsor. Are you a GIS professional? Land surveyor or construction professional looking for the best in surveying equipment, software, and service? Look no further than AGS, Inc. 
AGS Inc. is an authorized dealer for Topcon and Sokia Surveying Equipment Dealer and EOS Aerial Mapping Products Dealer. With a supply store in Grapevine, Texas to serve the DFW Metroplex, Central Texas presence, and a corporate headquarters in Houston, Texas, AGS has you covered. Stop by and experience the AGS Inc. difference today. At AGS, it is a service after the sale that counts. AGS is the proud sponsor of the On Grade podcast. On Grade podcast listeners, give these guys a call if you want to talk about bringing precision surveying, layout, drones, GPS, GIS, or 3D scanning spatial technologies to your company. Thank you, and have a great evening. Back to the episode. You're listening to the On Grade Podcast. Construction. Construction. It's what we do. Now, back to Brandon and Devin. The other thing too is is when he's talking about when you're growing though is finding the right clients. You got to find the people that want to help you grow. You got to find people that they want to invest into you. You want clients that it's a two way working relationship, like you were talking about when you got on with this electrical contract you got. That you told him like, hey, I'm not these big boys. I need to be paid in this time, and all these things that you did, but they were willing to work with you because they knew how good of a job you would do. Well, it's a partnership, right? You're trying to build a partnership and a relationship. You're not just showing up to do one job, take some money and and take off and go to the next one. You know, the goal shouldn't be to necessarily work for one-off customers. The goal should be to build relationships with every customer that you build with. And every every company and every customer that you work for is going to have different priorities. You know, some some companies, their main priority or this goal in this job is getting it done as quick as humanly possible. Other ones are, you know, we need a long pay term. Other ones are, we need, you know, meet this schedule or this deadline, or we need to do it in this way, this process, but you figure out what their problem is and solve it, you know, and, and in doing so, a lot of them are willing to work with you to solve your problem, to be able to make their problem go away, you know, and that's, that's the biggest thing, but you got to look for and ask, you know, what's your priority? What's the goal? What's, what do you need to accomplish here? You know, and it's all communication is really what it is. Um, and being able to digest that information and do something with it. But every company and every job is going to have a set of problems. It's a matter of figuring out what those problems are and how to best solve them to keep going forward. That's what business is. Find a problem in the world, figure out a solution to that problem, and you're going to get paid for it. That's business 101. Every business solves a problem. doesn't matter what it is. That's, that's the basics of business. Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better, brother. You, you just got them skills, man. <laughs> Be a therapist. Yeah, I don't know about that one. The dirt I therapist. I, I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, when it comes to growth, it cash flow is always going to be your your biggest holdback on growth. So, depending on how big you want to get and how fast you want to get there, the one thing you're always going to need is cash flow, and that's where your numbers are critical. And when you're starting out in business or you're a couple of years into business, at any point in time when you decide you want to grow, the first thing you have to do is get your numbers right. 
you have to know exactly what all your costs are. You got to know what your overhead is. You have to know what your, your labor costs are, what your material costs are. You have to know all your costs. You have to have all that data in front of you so that you can break it down and figure out, okay, I need 20% of my top line or my gross revenue to cover my overhead now. And I need, you know, 20% for payroll and I need 40% for material. When you break all your numbers down, you can see, all right, I have 5% of gross or net profit left over. That 5% of net profit is what's going to dictate your growth because at the rates that you're charging right now, at the size that you are right now, with the workload that you have right now, you can afford 5% to be spent on growth. Now, where people get into trouble is they don't look at the numbers. They don't figure that out. They don't know what money they have to spend on growth. They take a guess, you know, or they add, oh, well, I'm going to grow, so hire three more guys and go buy three more pieces. If the company can't afford that and you don't necessarily have the workload for it right away, you're going to find yourself in a pain point where now you're, you're upside down every month. And that comes down to numbers and projections. You know, you should have an accountant. You should have a good accountant. Don't just go down the street to the mini mall and find the first accountant that there is there. Take some time, do some research, look into these people, sit with them, meet with them, talk with them, and find out what they do. Because accounting is no different than the dirt world. You know, there's accountants that specialize in laundromats, and there's accountants that specialize in retail and restaurants and the dirt world. And these are all different spaces that have different cash flow models and different projections of numbers. And those people don't necessarily always know, just because they're an accountant doesn't mean that they know how the construction industry works our payment terms are way out of whack compared to most industries. And that's something that you have to work with in cash flow. So you want to make sure when you find an accountant that they know how this industry works and they can look at your numbers and make sense of your numbers based on that. And you need to do that first. You know, you need to go find a really good accountant, get a CPA who can sit down and walk you through all this stuff. If you don't know what a financial sheet is, if you don't know how to read a balance sheet, find somebody who can explain that to you and teach you how to do it. Because that's what's going to tell you how much you can grow and how fast. And it may tell you that you can't grow at all. In that case, you need to figure out, all right, I want to grow. What do I got to do? Well, you're either going to have to cut costs or increase prices. And those are your two options at that point. You know, you can either stop spending money or make more money to free up capital in order to grow. But you should always be able to free up capital before you grow. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the right way to do it, make more money or cut more costs to free up cash flow before you go and add those pieces and those employees. If you do it on the backside, you're always going to be chasing your tail. And that's where you're going to get into trouble. It's all fine and good as long as the work's coming in. The minute a work stops or a job doesn't pay and you're upside down, you're in a world of hurt. And that's where people get big too quick and then they go backwards. And it's not necessarily that they got big too fast. It's that they got bigger, faster than their cash flow could afford. And it got them into trouble. You know, you could, I'm, I don't know any personally, but I guarantee you there's companies that have gone from zero to a hundred million overnight. And it's cause they, they did it right. You know, they knew the numbers, they knew how much money they had to put into it. They had investors or, or whatever they needed to do, but that wasn't just something they pulled off the top of their head and, and winged it. They sat down and they figured out the math and they worked backwards and they said, okay, we want to have a hundred pieces by year end. What do we need to do for that? How much money do we have to bring in? How many jobs do we need to bid? What's our revenue got to be? 
they figure out all the math. And once you have all the numbers in front of you, you can sit down and it's just simple. You're working yeah, backwards. It's, it's literally just basic math most of the time. But I want to caveat off of what you said. Um, guys, he's talking about accounting, but with accountants, you got to understand, and me and my CFO talk about it all the time, there's a difference in normal accounting and construction accounting. Because in our industry, you have more costs than probably anything you'll ever do in your life. You have payroll. You have to pay different material suppliers. You have diesel. You have fuel. You have DEF. You have uh, trucking. You have equipment hauling. You have uh, Devin has pipe. He has concrete. He has multiple things that he has to pay for. And they all come in a separate invoice. With different terms. With different terms. And they don't always line up with the jobs. So you might get on a job that's got a net 45 pay term, but your accounts are running net 30. And you might have one account that's net 14 or COD, cash on delivery. So material shows up to site, you're paying for it that day. Mm-hmm. And in between that, you might have two or three pay cycles that you got to pay out and equipment payments and the fuel bill and everything else under the sun. You got to be able to look at it and say, okay, on... July 1st, I'm taking in $100,000. On July 15th, I'm paying out 60. And then on the 20th, I got a $30,000 payroll and you know, so on and so forth. And you got to figure out, okay, I'm going to get paid July 1st and I'm going to get paid 45 days later. And everything to do this job is going to get paid out before you get the the next pay. So you got to be able to balance the budget in order to be able to make all those payments in that period, have operating capital to keep rolling and wait for that next paycheck to come in. And that's where knowing your costs and knowing your numbers and managing your cash flow comes in. Because if you do that wrong, you're out of business in 30 days. Yep. And that's that's the simple math. I mean, you see these massive companies that hundreds of millions of dollar companies, if the work stops, what happens to them? They die. I yep. mean, in a month, they're gone. We're selling off equipment, I mean, firing guys, laying yeah. things off. It's, you know, my phone's been ringing off the hook the last couple of weeks because of everything starting to slow down. I got six calls today yeah. from one company. Yeah. Guys who worked at one company, yeah. six different employees called me today because, and they're not a small outfit, they're a big outfit, yeah. but they got to work, slow down, a hiccup. They laid off a bunch of guys. One of them told me they laid off 20 some guys. And I had six phone calls today from different employees that all got laid off in this one company. And they're not a small company that just popped up three days ago. They've been around for a while. It happens to everyone. And you can't predict the future. You just have to be able to look at your numbers and know where they are and do the best that you can with them. But if you don't even look at the numbers, you're shooting blind. And it's not an industry that you can you can do that in. So we uh, over the past year, we've had guys – um, we got up to about 20 guys in the field and we've scaled back now to about 15 and it's been natural, um, guys just leaving, you know? And so we have, when someone's like, Hey man, I got to offer, I'll offer them a counter offer cause I want them to stay. It's not that I don't want them to, but sometimes I just can't match it. I mean, it's just insane money that some of these companies are throwing at guys. And so I, you know, being a mid-sized company that I am. I'm not being able to pay the top tier pay like these big boys are paying. So I go, hey, man, good luck, man. I, you know, if you need, you ever need a place to stay, you know, call us up. We'll, we'll bring you back, you know. And, uh, you know, we let about about five or six of our guys did that over the past year, year and a half. We didn't replace them. The workload was there, but I saw it coming. 
and you did too. You and me have talked about it several times. I saw it kind of, it, it's busy, but it's, it's just steady. It's not, it's not like 21 was when it was just gangbusters, you know, blowing at the seams and everybody's scrambling to get on jobs and all that. Now you're like, you know, the cities are taking a while to get permits approved. Um, these developers are trying to get finance, you know, they're trying to get their financing locked in now before the rates go even higher. Um, it's very interesting and payment terms have slowed down a bunch. I mean, it's not, I mean, guys that used to pay me net 30 are paying 45, 50, 60 days right now. And everybody I talked to, they said, I just can't get paid on anything. And you and me have talked about it. Um, it's just, uh, this is, this is the part of the, the industry. This is where, when you're starting up, you need to think about because there's always good times in construction and they last there's, there's, you know, it's like oil guys. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It's learning how to ride through those downturns is what makes you going to be successful. And what Devin just preached is gospel in my eyes. Everything he just said, he hit the nail on the head about because it's super critical that you do sit down and check your numbers. You sit down and make sure that you are charging the right amount of money for what the work you're doing. The biggest thing, too, is know your worth. Know what you're worth. Because I can tell you right now. You sound I like an Instagram influencer right now. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> know your worth, bro. Know your worth, man. But it, it's true. It's true. But please subscribe and pay 99 dollars to listen to my seminar in Miami. <laughs> no, I'm not that guy. I'm here for free to tell you. The biggest thing, guys, is know your worth. Know what your company's worth. Know what your guys are worth. Know what your equipment's worth. Know what a job costs. Devin sends me a job the other day and says, hey, I, I want you to take a look at it. I said, okay. So I take a look at it and I'm adjusting some of the numbers that I got our uh, estimating software pulled up. And I started looking at a couple of the pieces of equipment seems cheap and so i said something to pete about it and he goes well you know that's gonna that that that's gonna kind of screw us on a couple of jobs i said no no no, no. i'm not saying we always up, up numbers on stuff but on certain jobs we don't know these people you know charge a little bit more because if you do get the job okay yeah you might you might not know them you might not have that warm and fuzzy with them yet but you know you're going to make a little extra money. And if you have the opportunity to make a little extra money, do it. But I'm not saying go rape somebody over the coals either here. But like I said, know your worth. And, and you know, I, me and Devin just uh, talked about it, I think, a few episodes ago. I once a quarter sit down and I have a Excel spreadsheet that has all my rates for all my equipment. And I sit down once a quarter unless diesel's just going all over the place, which here lately has kind of settled down finally. But last year, oh my God, I was on that thing every other week, dude. Just, oh, it's 450. Oh, it's five. Oh no, now it's four. Now it's five. And you were so <laughs> worried because you couldn't even honor a bid more than 10 days. Yep. And they'd call you and they're like, hey man, I've read on your proposal. It says 10 days. I'm like, well, uh, if we sign the contract today, I can do it for this. But uh, I can't guarantee that price. So if it goes up uh, two more dollars, I'm going to have to ask for a change order for fuel escalation that's what it is but can't, it, can't control that yeah cost. i mean it is what it is so you gotta add two hours to your two dollars and a gallon so you figure 10 gallons an hour that's 20 bucks an hour you got to raise your hourly rate just right off the bat yeah without and, markup yeah that's the that's the shitty thing about those 
uh, material escalations last year was, yeah, you could mark it up, but everybody else was making the money, but not the contractor. Yep. They were like, no, we're not paying you to get an overhead on that. Well, okay, so I'm giving you, you're going to give me 20 extra dollars and it's just so I can pay my bill. Okay. But again, that's. I get I get why they did it, but it's it's the same concept of, you know, they were probably turning around and telling them, hey, we need an escalation for this. And they were probably tacking their markup on it. Oh, for sure. They're making the spread. Yeah. they're Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, the house always wins. So, yeah. I mean, and you got to think the GC, the developer, they're the house guys. So that's how you got to look at it. They're in bed with each other. I don't care what people say. Yes. Do they technically not work for each other? They work for each other. Yes. But they go to the golf course together. They do. <laughs> They go wine and dine. It's business. It's it's business. And, and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. And I don't have a problem with it. And I have some clients that I go fishing with them. I go shoot guns with them. There's things I do with them. But I've also been working for them for four or five years. It's not, oh, hey, this is my second job with you. I'm going to try to impress you. And we go to the golf course. I'm not a golfer anyway, so. I've got one guy that works for me. Really? I could have swore you were. Yeah, I look like you don't. You look like a golfer. Yeah, you don't look like one either. No, no, no. I can make divots. Yeah, lots of good divots. You and me, you and me (laughs) are more of the pinging AR five hundred steel kind of guys. Um, But it was funny. um, You know, I went to uh, pick up a check the other day, and they were talking about, man, you missed out on the that PGA thing. I said, man, that's that's cool. I'm glad you had enough time to do that because I got ten jobs going right now. And I got bigger fish to fry than worried about golfing. They're like, yeah, but you do your podcast. I'm like, I do it at 7 o'clock at night on the weekend. It's not <laughs> It's not during the week, man. You know, and it's, it's what you and me, this is our other thing that we do. This is what we love to do, and we love to talk and help these guys. But, you know, I want to watch. I would love to see, and this is me talking to the audience, I would love to have you guys comment Um as much as you can on Spotify, Apple to uh, podcasts and YouTube. And just, I've been putting the questions up. I'm sure you've been noticing too, but I mean, we've been getting pretty good feedback, but a lot of guys, the biggest thing they want to know is they're just like, how do you build a company? And I, I thought we kind of hit the nail on the head with that episode. So I'm like, well, I guess maybe we're not. I well, I think what it is is everybody's looking for the shortcut, the easy way, What's the magic formula to build a company? Right. And the simple answer is, it's not hard. You're, you're overthinking it. You're thinking it's way more complicated than it is. You want to start a company? Start. That's it. You know, and all of the things that we're talking about here are lessons that we've learned along the way. And you can implement them and you can, you know, study it until the end of time and try to do it right. But there's never going to be a perfect time to start. You're never going to get it perfect. You're never going to knock a home run on every decision. You're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn lessons. That's what everyone does in business. That's that's just what it is. The second or third or fourth time, you know, if you start multiple businesses over the course of your lifetime, you'll probably get it better and better each time. But you got to remember, it's like the first time you rode a bicycle, you probably fell over and skinned your knees because you never knew how to ride a bicycle before you stop riding a bike for 10 years and you get on it, you might be a little rusty, but you're probably not going to fall over and skin your knees. And business is the same thing. You know, if you're thinking about wanting to start a company and you're like a one man show and you just want to get into it, go out, learn to sell. So you need to be able to have a customer before you have a business. If you don't have a customer, you don't have a business. You have to have somebody who's willing to pay you money to 
provide a service or a product. Go out, start marketing, find a customer, knock on doors, you know, talk to people, whatever it takes to find that first customer, go out and rent a piece of equipment, do the job, charge some money, you know, do some digging online, see what rates are going for. Hell, call a couple companies and see what they charge to do stuff. Give them a price and go out and do it. When you're starting out in business and you don't know anything, if you're going to start out small, just go out and get to work, man. Like go out and start working and you'll figure it out as you go. You'll get a few bumps and bruises along the way and you'll make adjustments and you'll, you'll figure it out. That's the thing. Starting a business isn't like, all right, step one. Well, I mean it is, but it doesn't necessarily have to be right. If you're, if you're one of those people that's just going to paralyze yourself with overthinking it, you need to just say the hell with it and go out and start. And you're going to learn everything as you go. And tons of people have done this. I did it that way. You did it that way. Everyone did it that way. You know, the, I got pissed off at a job site one day and was like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. Cause these idiots don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I mean the, the caveat is like, just go out and start. And as you're working, keep learning, you know, listen to podcasts and talk to other business owners and do research online, you know, and take the information that we're giving you and apply it. But if you just sit down on the couch and, and do research for 20 years, but you never start, you're never going to have a business. You know, you're never going to go out and do it. And a lot of people are going to get paralyzed by fear of, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, all these hard lessons that we've learned <laughs> along the way. We're still here. We're still in business. You know, we're still going. We still get up every day. We put our boots on. We go to work. We make money and we make it happen. You know, and that's what being an entrepreneur is, is being able to take a few bumps and bruises and learn from your lessons and, and keep moving forward. And you can have the perfect plan and you can execute it perfectly. Sooner or later, you're going to get punched in the mouth, you know, and then you're going to have to figure some stuff out. You can literally just go out tomorrow and start with knowing nothing, but having the desire to learn and figure out the lessons as you go and you'll make it work. You know, there's, there's multiple ways to do it. And if you're the person that's not paralyzed by fear and you can do some research and take some time to figure all this out, hundred percent do it that way, do it the smart way. Don't do like I did and dive in. But there's also a lot of people that are just going to research it to death and never do anything. And to those people, I'm just telling you, just go out and start, figure it out as you go and start because otherwise you'll never do it. It's standing on a cliff and, uh, okay, I'm going to jump in three, two, one. Wow. Another 10 seconds. You know, it's, it's that paralysis, you know, paralysis by analysis, man. Don't let that stop you from doing it. You know, it's like staring into the abyss and chewing glass is the best equivalent I could have ever heard. <laughs> Elon Musk said that once. And the other thing you got to think guys is <clears throat> Devin sitting here comes from 2000 miles away from here. Doesn't know a soul. He had, a beautiful company going up in Canada. His wife was up there with him. He had his whole life going up there. He's like, man, I'm tired of this crap. I'm tired of paying all these taxes. I'm tired of the loss of freedoms that I'm experiencing. So I'm going to come down to Texas, one of the freest places in the United States. And came down here. Nine months later, look at him. He's killing it. And but I'm super proud of you, brother. I've been wanting to tell you that for a long time. Uh, you, you just got to have a little bit of uh... – you need the right mix of crazy and uh, smart, I guess, all in the same pie. But uh, sometimes you just got to say, screw it and do it. You know, and that's a lot of guys that are thinking about starting a business. They need a little more screw it and do it than they do planning. 
some people work best on a plan, but a lot of those people hide behind the plan and never do anything with it. And yeah. that's, that's what stops a lot of people from starting a business is the fear of the unknown. And I don't care how much you plan. I don't care how many people you talk to. I don't care how many books you read, how many shows you watch. There's always going to be an element of the unknown. You just got to be able to embrace it and roll with it. And that's, that's really what it is. This, this business is one of the most humbling experiences jobs you'll ever do in your life it's uh it's probably one of the most rewarding too as a person i think it makes you a very it gives you a very unique set of skills that i can't explain it's just something that it, it'll it'll drive you mad one day you'll come home and just not want to talk you'll be po'd at the world and then you'll come in the next day and something good happened and You'll come home and you're pumped as hell and you're ready to rock and roll. And it's a roller coaster. I'm gonna tell you right now, guys. There's a there's a quote I saw a couple months ago about business, and it's so true. And it was a good friend of mine that also does what we do. And he said, Business will beat you down to your knees and it will suck the life out of you sometimes. But just don't ever, ever give up. Because in the end, it will be worth it. And it's so true. You know, Henry Ford, a lot of people don't know this about Henry Ford. The guy that started Ford Motor Company. He failed five times. Yeah, most business owners do. Yeah. Bill Gates. He didn't he he wasn't an instant startup. His first company failed. Steve Jobs. He got fired from his own company. <laughs> came back, bought it for pennies on the dollar, and made it into the superpower it is again now. He made it a superpower twice. So if anything, guys, don't let something like he's talking about, don't let you, you gotta, I'm going to steal your line for a second. You got to burn the boats, boys. You gotta, you gotta burn the boats and just jump into it. You know, there's a day, there ain't a day that don't go by. I go, you know, I could just put this thing up for sale right now. And I know somebody will buy it and I can walk out and might have a little pocket change, get out of debt, go do some other things that I want to do with life. But you know what? I'm not, I haven't done all my goals yet. There's so many things that I got left I want to do in this industry. There's things that I just want to do. It's not even the money. It's not this, that. It's, I want to own a D8. I don't own one yet. I want to own one. I want to have scrapers. I don't have scrapers yet. I want to own some scrapers. I want to get back in the pipe. I love you, but I want to get back in the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> you and me are working on something together that we're going to be doing eventually. You know, I want to get that going. You know, there's a couple of things that, I want to do, you know, and I'm going to get there. Am I hitting roadblocks right now with life? Hell yeah, I am. But who the hell doesn't hit roadblocks in business? I mean, the thing that you got to learn as an entrepreneur is when you hit a roadblock, it's not, oh, just sit there and die. It's, oh, okay, well, how, how, do, how do I get around it? Going around it, yeah. going over it, going through it. Yeah, that's the only three things you do. That's it. And if well, you, I guess you can go under it too, but uh, you could tunnel it. El Chapo yeah. did it, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, go under uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you gotta you gotta think. Okay, this first roadblock you're gonna have when you start a company. I'm gonna tell you right now, the first roadblock you're gonna have, you're gonna be like, man, I need to buy some equipment. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. Get the first job. Figure out what you need for that first job. And I promise you, you're probably not going to get the right thing you need the first time. It's not going to happen. I, I got care. 11 pieces of equipment on rent right now. Don't matter. You're making money on all of them. Yeah. What's as long as you're making money on that machine. And guys, if this is your first time listening to the episode, 
go back four or five episodes, I think, and we explain all this about machines. So just go back. I'm not going to beat a dead horse for the listeners that are that have been listening for a while. But go back and listen to that episode. You'll understand what we're trying to say right now. Knowing your costs is a huge deal. Knowing that is a huge deal. Being a people person is a huge deal. But don't be a used car salesman. Don't smack the hood. <laughs> Overpromise something that you can't do. If you don't know how to do the work, man, that's when you pick up the phone and call your boy. You're like, hey, dude, can I sub this work to you? Yeah, no problem. Go out there every day with the client and be like, hey, I got a guy that's better than me at this. I'm going to sub the work out to him. Okay, no problem. Make sure that he's going to take care of that job for you, though. Don't, because at the end of the day in this business, everything's off your reputation. Your name is your reputation. That's all you got. Is all you got is in this business is your name. If your name, there's some companies in this town that you and me know, if their name's mentioned, we both start laughing because they're just those companies. Now, is it their fault? Is it decisions that they made in the past? Yeah. Um, you know, I've had my mistakes. I've made mistakes. You know, um, I'm I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, I'm in. I'm paying for my mistakes still right now. But I learned them, and I'm not making them now. And it's a humbling experience. But you can't let the past or past mistakes you made hold you back. You got you got to be like a duck, man. You just got to let it run off of you. Because if you don't, it, it, it'll eat you up. Well, and that's it comes back to hitting a roadblock and not freezing. There is no problem that you can't find a solution to. And... It doesn't matter what it is or where it's at. There's always a solution to a problem. And if you're willing to put the time and effort and creativity and think outside the box, you're going to find a way around it. You're going to find a workaround. You're going to find something to do. You can pick up the phone, call people, look it up, or just get creative. You know, think outside the box. There's a ton of different ways that you can do anything. And uh, I think business is really more so getting comfortable with solving problems. And the problems always seem insurmountable at the time. And then you find a solution. And then that's not that big of a deal anymore. And the next time it comes up, okay, we'll just do this, 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 this. Bang, solved. Next one. You know, that's just what it is. You know, you get really good at problem solving and getting creative. And when you're starting out and you're lean and you're mean and you don't have a whole lot of money and cash and capital behind you, you get real good at being real creative and finding solutions to problems. You know, and that's that's the value of business. And that's the value of starting out small and and having to make it work is you get really good at solving problems, you know, and it, that is what helps you later on in life. You know, I feel like, you know, you go to university to get a degree to become a doctor or a lawyer, you know, you have those years of schooling in business. It's the school of hard knocks, man. You got to suffer through a couple of years to, to figure out all those solutions to those problems. Cause that's the school to learn it. In. You know, you can go to school and take a business degree, but they're not going to teach you all the, uh, all the ways to figure all this stuff out. You get the basics, but uh, the school of hard knocks is uh, definitely the way to go if you want to be an entrepreneur. And the other thing you got to look at too, guys, is something we, we never have talked about before, but it's just the straight up truth. You're going to do a job one day. Something's going to happen. I don't care who you are. It's happened to everybody in this room that's sitting at these tables right now, even though it's just me and Devin, but there, there were two other people here that agreed to this. <laughs> And it happens, and you have to prepare yourself mentally for it. You will get sued. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been doing it. Everybody that's done this longer than a day has been sued. It just happens. 
shit happens. You're going to hit a water line. The city's going to sue you. Uh, the contractor that you're working for goes out of business and you can't pay your suppliers. So your suppliers sue you because even though it's not your fault that you couldn't pay them and you do everything you can to get them paid, but you know, if you can't pay all of it, they're still coming after you. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. So just know that I don't mean to say this and I'm not saying it to sound like a jerk, but shit happens. Just, just keep your head up. Keep drop, rolling with the punches. Drive on. I promise you, you're going to get another job. I promise you. That shit don't follow you around. I know everybody's like, oh, they got sued. Dude, there ain't a contractor in Texas that probably ain't been sued, dude. I don't <laughs> care who you are, man. I, I'm sorry, but, you know, it, it's unfortunate that we have to mention that to you, but it, it, it is something that you have to think about. So just be mentally prepared for things like that. That's one of the little things. It's that not you the end of the world. It's and, just another problem to deal with. Uh, don't forget that you got to pay payroll taxes. Because if the IRS shows up at your office, you're not going to be in business very long. <laughs> so make sure you pay your taxes, guys. Make sure you're paying your federal taxes and your state taxes. Because <laughs> if you don't, it, it's not going to it's not going to go well. And anyone else thinking about coming from Canada down to the U.S., they've got like the most messed up tax system down here. Like there's four or five different taxes you pay here that I didn't know anything about. So I we started out. And I got a couple letters in the mail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to pay tax on this. What the heck is you this? Pay, you gotta, yeah, you got to pay payroll call, tax. Call the accountant. And I'm like, hey, uh, what's going on with this? Is this like this legit or spam? Oh, yeah, you got to pay this tax and this tax. And this. Well, you want to sort this out for me? <laughs> but, hey, you wonder yeah. how we pay for these aircraft carriers, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know but, it, it's it's funny. You know, we were talking about business and stuff but it, it, it it's so true with the what the taxes we have are just ridiculous because you know i love it when people tell me this all the time and it happens all the time they're like hey by the way this is a tax exempt job and it's like i'm on one right now <laughs> i'm like okay uh they're like yeah so there's no sales tax and you're like okay i don't charge sales tax oh yes you do no in dirt work you don't it's dirt it, there's no sales tax for dirt it comes out of the ground it's natural so it doesn't have sales tax. It's like farming. You don't charge sales tax for corn you harvested. It doesn't happen. So, like, I, I love it when they're like, oh, you don't have sales tax in the job? I'm like, it's red diesel. There's no sales tax on red diesel. It's twice cheaper. Like, you try to explain <laughs> that to them, and they're like, uh, there's got to be some kind. I'm like, if I buy flex base, there is, because that's man-made shit. Yeah, I got to pay sales tax on that, but, you know, that's not a big deal. It's okay. But I had one one time trying to tell me to take payroll tax out. I was like, are you going to pay the IRS for me? Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm keeping it in there cause I'm not going to prison. So <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, guys, I know we're talking Swahili probably if you're just starting up, but these are the things you got to remember. If you guys have any W2 employees, you will pay payroll tax on them every quarter. If you process payroll, you have to pay payroll tax. So if you hire, you know, a, a company to do your payroll for you and they pull the money out of your account, you're going to be in for a rude awakening the first time because you're going to be like, oh, payroll is only $4,000 this week. No, it's going to be about six after, <laughs> after all the taxes that come out. And you're going to be like, well, the, my guys pay payroll tax. Yeah, and you pay the other half of it. And so it, it's just, just remember that, guys, that you're paying to exist as a company. You're also going to pay a corporate tax every year. And that's why you have to have a really good CPA at the end of the year. Because Property tax. You can that. write off so much stuff in our business, dude. You can write off your truck. You can write off your yacht. You know, 
write off your equipment. You can write off the fuel you put in them. If you bought a freaking screwdriver to work on something with it and it was for work, you can write that off. So at the end of the day, yeah, I'm not saying don't pay your taxes, but just know that you need to sit down and get with a good CPA. That should be the first thing you do right after you form your business. I don't know whatever state you're living Even in. before you form it, because there's ways, there's different business structures too. And a CPA is going to be able to tell you based on what it is you want to do, how to best form the structure of the corporation or the companies in order to mitigate your tax liability. And the other thing to remember is there's corporate structure for tax liability and there's also corporate structure for legal liability and lawyers and accountants don't necessarily always talk to each other. So the lawyer is going to tell you to set up a company one way and the accountant is going to tell you to set up a company another way. Uh, one's going to be better for taxes and one's going to be better if you get sued. So at the end, <laughs> you got to kind of go back and forth between both and try to find one that's really good at both of them. It was, it was kind of like the last election. It was lesser of two evils. So you just picked one. So, um, <laughs> I, I went the corp route. I don't know what'd you go. I'm incorporated. Yeah. yeah, I know a ton of guys that did LLCs. I've been I've had uh, my my gun sh- company that I do firearm string stuff with. That's an LLC. The whole reason is if I get sued, that thing's going out of business because that's millions of dollars. Somebody shoots themselves, it's I'm not gonna be around. <laughs> yeah. The NRA does have really good insurance. I will say that though, but I don't want to find out. Um. They got a good group of lawyers for you too. If you're running a range, you know you got to. So uh, that's a different topic. But um, the biggest things that you got to look at, guys, is also make sure you get good insurance, man. Make sure you don't cheap out on insurance. Don't, don't. I'll tell you right now, everybody you work for is going to require workers' compensation. They're going to want general liability. Most of them now want umbrella. And even if they don't, you're going to want it because. The day that something happens on site and somebody gets killed or hurt, God forbid, or something gets smashed up or destroyed, you're going to wish that you paid the money to get a good insurance policy. You don't want to cheap out on it. You don't want to skimp out on insurance. Make sure you got a good broker. And again, insurance brokers are the same as accountants and lawyers. There's insurance brokers that specialize in construction insurance that understand what it is that you do. When you walk into an insurance firm and all they do is insure dog grooming places, they don't know anything about the construction space and they don't know what coverages you need. They don't know what policies you need, what limits you should have. They don't even know if you walk into the the insurance place and you say, I'm an excavation contractor and they say, okay, cool. And uh, so is your excavator a GMC or a Ford? You get up and you walk out of the door and you say, thanks for your time and go find another one. Because you need to find the person that understands what it is that you do. And they're out there. You just got to do a little bit of research, some Google searching, make a couple phone calls, start talking to the person. And if they have no idea what they're talking about, find somebody else. Because that'll bite you in the ass. And don't go through a company that's not in the same state as you because you can't go sit down and talk to them. That's the biggest thing because they don't know you. You know, if you get the, it's like a banker. You know, everybody wants to go. When you're a small company, go to a small bank. Yeah, 100%. Yes, I, I will say this, though. For cash flow reasons, you might agree with me on this. Get a big account at, like, Chase, Wells Fargo, wherever you're in a bank because they're going to clear your funds a lot faster because these smaller banks, the problem is, we both know this, if you have a bank that's small and another bank that the general contractor pays you from is super small, it could take, like, 8 to 10 days to get your money to clear. 
if you go to a bigger bank, they can normally look into that bank because they have the stuff. You know, they got branches all over the country. They can go, oh, yeah, these guys' money's good, so they'll clear your funds a little faster. Especially when you're a new company. You want to have clear funds quick. So what I'm trying to say is get an account that you run your payroll out of with, like, a small bank. And then your operating account, run it out of a big bank. And the reason is you're still putting money through that bank, so you have an opportunity to sit down with that banker, you know, year or two down the road and go, Build hey, a relationship. Yeah, you're building that they relationship. Know your name. Yeah. And you're... You're not just a number. You're more likely to get equipment financing through them. You're more likely to get a line of credit through them and maybe even a mortgage to help you get buy your shop or, you know, if you want to build an office or whatever. So it's just, it's the long game guys. Nothing you do is going to go quick. You're not going to go from zero to a hundred million in a year, unless you are working for another large excavation contractor. You have a massive investor (laughs) and, you got your best friends with the guy that owns Caterpillar or John Deere. It's not going to happen. The guys that you see that come off the street that go from zero to 100, those guys all came from big-ass companies. Nine times out of ten, the people that own the big-ass company probably threw them some money to help them start their big-ass company and go, oh, sweet, so if this one goes down, I can go to this one now. I I got a safety net already. That's what rich people do. They set up safety nets. They have multiple layers of things. So, you know, you see that company that's like, man, I just heard of these guys, but they're everywhere already. But they're not having money issues and all that. Yeah, because they got somebody backing them, dude. They got massive lines of credit. They got massive money. And knowledge. And knowledge. Yeah. They, they're all, they've all been doing it for 20, 25 years. So if you're the guys coming off the street like me and Devin, though, that, yeah, we've been in the field and we've been in superintendent positions, foreman positions, stuff like that. It takes you a little bit longer to get that knowledge that you need for the inside part of the job. And that's where he's talking about with the accounting and knowing that project management, starting to learn how to be a PM. I'll tell you something, until you do it yourself, that is a tough job. Oh, yeah. Estimating is not easy. You can really screw a job up really quick. You can overbid the thing to not get it yeah <laughs> to the point where they just throw it out in the trash can or you can low bid it so bad next thing you know you get a contract sent to you don't even get a phone call and you're going oh this is awesome i got my first job and about the third time that happened to me i went man i missed something because <laughs> <laughs> we got our ass kicked on those last two jobs <laughs> you know it, it's just it, you're gonna learn guys that no matter what you do it, it's you're going to constantly learn in this job. If you don't learn, you die. If you don't adapt, you die. If you don't get past the roadblocks, you die. You're not inventing the wheel. I'm sorry we said it 20 times to this episode. I don't care, but it's the same thing. You're not reinventing the wheel here. This has been done. It's been proven. It can be done. Look at Kiwit. I mean, seriously. They, yeah, started, they started just like us. I mean, any of these big boys. Veet. You know, those guys are everywhere now, too. You know, um, you know, uh, what, Ari, um, oh, heck, Granite. You know, all these companies, they, they they started just like everybody else. Mom and pop company, and they grew to be massive corporations. And it's a lot easier to learn how business works, to learn the lessons, to learn the screw-ups and the estimating when you're small, because it's a whole lot 
it still sucks. It's painful at the time because it's all relative, but it's a lot easier to overcome a $10,000 hit than a $100,000 hit, you know, and, and irrelevant to the size you are. When you're starting out, if you stay small for a couple of years until you get all this stuff figured out, you know your numbers, you know how to estimate, you know how to deal with a contract, you know how to deal with a customer, you know how to solve problems, you know how to fix things. When you do all this stuff on a small scale, you can learn all these lessons in a small pond before you go jump in the ocean and try to learn how to swim. It can be done both ways, but it's a whole hell of a lot easier to do it at a small scale and then figure everything out before you go and take it to a big scale. Because the principles are all the same and everything still applies. Whatever you learn at a small company, it's just gonna scale to go to a big company. There's little differences here and there, but at the end of the day, the principles are all the same. So you're better off taking a couple years to get all the kinks ironed out at a small size before you start going big. When you go big off the hop, you're gonna have a lot of big pain points. When you're small, they're a lot smaller. They're a lot more manageable and they're a lot more easy to overcome. And I think that's honestly the best way to really do it is do a bit of research, go down the rabbit hole, talk to accountants, talk to lawyers, get things set up, start a small company and learn all these principles in a small company. Once you get a couple of years in and you've got everything figured out, then start getting bigger, then start going out for the bigger contracts, then start adding pieces of equipment, adding employees. That's when it makes the most sense to do it. And in, in reality, that is probably the most sensible, logical and rational way to ever build a business. It's going to be the, the least pain anyways. Yeah, it's not going to definitely, uh, definitely not going to hurt as bad if you do that <laughs> route. And you can go the zero to 100 route like I did. But when COVID happened, I slammed on the brakes and I stopped and I haven't grown since. I, I've maintained. That's all I've done. And I'm making more money. <laughs> Last year, I didn't bill as much every month as I do this year with less guys. It makes a lot of sense, right? Yep. But I got the right guys now. And that's the thing. You can go get guys and you can train them and you can do these wonderful things that we've talked about on the last couple episodes. But if you got a guy that just don't want to work, man, it's it's just it is what it is. If he's just there for a paycheck, he doesn't want to help grow the company, he doesn't have any incentive. Even though you're trying to give him incentives, you know, that's a lost cause. Higher higher slow, fire fast. Yeah, that you got to. And and you gotta you gotta be an NFL analyst, dude. You gotta you gotta check these guys out. You actually gotta put them on a machine, make sure they know they say they they can do what they say they can do. If they can't, that's fine. Don't pay them what they're asking. Be like, hey, I'm going to give you 90 days. If you can do what you say you can do in 90 days, we'll talk about it. But right now, no, I'm not paying you that. You're not worth that. Because I've had guys come out, I'm sure you have, some of my best hands, and they and they they walk in front of them, and they're like, well, I want this. And my guys just look at them, and they're like, and as soon as they leave, they go, if you'd have gave that guy that money, I would have quit. I was like, I'm not going to because he's not worth that. So – like I tell you guys, know what you're worth, guys, and really, really be – if you can do it in the small game, man, for a while and really get that cash flow built up and that massive amount of money built up and you've got a lot of operating capital, that's when you can go out and really get deals on equipment. You can buy some good gear. You can run new gear, and you might be able to walk in there and pay for a machine. And you don't have a payment. And then you can get a, you know, a deal with maintenance and all that stuff. And you might be able to just grow your fleet 
and you you don't own you don't have any payments, then you got leverage on everybody. Because then your overhead's low. Your cash flow works a nothing. whole lot better. And you can really go in there and do jobs, and you might be able to cut a guy 10, 12% 10, on a job, and you can win any job you want. If you really want that job, you can be like, well, shit, I'm still going to make 40% on this job. Whereas everybody else is like, holy shit, if I go any lower, I'm going to barely get eight on this job, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, there's there's caveats to that too, and and – if you buy the piece of equipment, you buy it outright cash and you go and you underbid the job, you can only do that so long because eventually you're going to have to replace that piece of equipment. But what Brandon's talking about is it gives you the ability to break into the marketplace and build a reputation with GCs that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get in the door. You can be the low bid. Everyone's going to hate you, but you can be the low bid. You can get in there. You can get that job, get that experience, build that relationship, and then make sure you increase your rates back to where they need to be. But it, it, it gives you options. And at the same time, let's say you take a job on and you get slow paid. Well, if you don't have a massive amount of overhead, it's going to make it a whole lot easier to make it through and keep going. Because if you're stretched to the max and you get slowed paid and you get nowhere to get cash from, you're screwed. So that's where starting small, building up cash, having a, you know, a bank account set up, that you can tap into and doing, like you said, going out and buying equipment or putting a massive down payment on something to keep your payments low. Those are all things that are going to help you along the way, but that's all going to come from starting small, learning the lessons, figuring out how to run a business, figuring out your cash flows, figuring out your margins, getting your numbers right and doing it all in the small size and then adding incrementally to that and growing, you know, and we're not talking from experience because we've, We've done it the other way. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking from experience because some days we wish we had done it that way. <laughs> yeah. Because we talk on the phone sometimes and we both go, man, you know, yeah, I should have stayed in the crane operator or I should have stayed in the oil field. I've said that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I, and to be clear, I don't regret it. And uh, I, if I had the opportunity to do it over again, I'd do it over again a hundred times over. You know, it's it's one of the best most rewarding feelings in the world. There's a lot of shitty days, but there's a lot of really good days too. And uh, I don't have any regrets in doing it. And honestly, anybody who I know that went out and started a businesses, business, very, very few of them ever regret starting a business. No regrets. No regrets. So uh, it's been about an hour, bro. All right. Uh, I'm thinking we talk a little bit more and we'll, we'll call it a night. Um, so... What are some things you think that we should finish up with all the listeners about a couple of things? Well, I don't know. Like we touched on, on a lot of stuff, you know, and I guess one thing we don't really talk about in business, um, because it doesn't really get thought of as part of business is, you know, you as a person, you know, we talk about cash flows and running a good business and, and all the stuff that goes along with it. The one thing we don't th- talk about a whole lot and, and even doesn't get really get talked about in business much is, is yourself. You know, you're only, your business is only as good as your weakest link. And if you're running a business to try and do a hundred things a day, but you're not taking care of your health and you're not reading books and you're not learning, these are all things that are going to end up biting you in the ass in the long run too. You know, running a business is taxing and you have to be able to take some time for yourself, you know, to work on yourself too. Because if you're the owner of the business and you never take time to learn and grow as a person, it's going to be hard to learn and grow that company. You know, shit, go read a couple books. You know, make it make a goal of reading a book a month 
on business or, or anything. It can be whatever, but you need to constantly be growing and learning as a person to be a good business owner, you know, and whether that's going to the gym or working out or eating right or reading books or going to anything at all, you, you have to be able to continue growing yourself as a person in order to be able to grow your business. You know, that's a, that's one of those things that no one really ever talks about in business a whole lot. And it's easy to kick to the curb. I had a lot of really good habits when I started a business. I'd go to the gym every day. I'd read all the time, you know, then you get busy and that stuff becomes less and less important. But in reality, it's just as important now as it was then. And as a business owner, we should be making time to do those things. Again, I'm, I'm preaching more so than I'm talking from experience because I know I let a lot of stuff go for a long time when I got started. And I realized a couple of years in that I got to make time for those things because it helps me run the business better when I'm doing those things. And that's stuff that you can start doing now. You know, if, if you're not in business and you're working for somebody else, shit, man, read a book, get a book, read a book, do a book a month and just make it a thing. Start going to the gym, start eating right. You know, you have more time now than you're ever going to have when you run a business, do those things now and make those things habits and don't stop them. Keep going with them when you get into it. Cause those are all things that are going to make you that much better as a business owner and an operator going forward. And if you have a hobby, man, don't, don't kill your hobbies. That's something I was going to say. Yeah. Um, we're both avid motorcycle riders. We both ride. Um, we're both gun guys. I mean, that's our, that's our two things. I know you and me definitely have in common and, uh, you know, I don't let that, I, I haven't let that die. And, uh, that's the one thing I have outside of work is I get to jump on my bike and I ride and it's a good way. It's my therapy because I can clear my mind. I can let things go that have been on my mind all day. And I usually sleep pretty well because I went out and rode and I got my mind off of it. I'm not advocating if you Anybody that don't like motorcycle riders, whatever. Go, go play around the golf. You yeah, know, yeah, whatever, whatever you're doing. Whatever. I'm just saying, whatever your your hobby is, do you, man. And and don't don't stop being yourself because of what you're doing. Don't think that you got to wear the suit and the $5,000 watch and drive a Lambo and all. No, just be you, man. Just stay humble. Just just be the guy you are now or, or woman if you're listening. Um, and... Just don't forget where you came from. I think that's the other problem a lot of people have. They get they get they get growing and they're starting to make money and you kind of get consumed. It's yeah. easy to get consumed by the business and it becomes your whole life, and you forget sometimes why it is that you got into business in the first place. You know, I, you can grow a massive business, but if you let everything else go, what's the point? Yeah, and the other thing too um, that happens a lot of people have like these. You know, they'll have these uh, get-togethers. These GCs will have the the things where they're breaking bread and stuff. I used to go to them and now I go, um, I'm gonna let my work speak. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a salesman. I'm not going to come up there and grease your palms and tell you things you want to hear. Cause that's not who I am, I guess. And, and I'm the worst guy to tell you that, but Devin's kind of, I, 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 me and Devin are, I think are about the same page about this. I'd rather my guys and my work speak for itself than me go out there and, you know, slap, like we just talked about, the used car salesman slap the top of the car. And, Man, this thing's a banger. No, I'd rather just, I'd rather go out there and show you what I can do. Yeah, and, and not to say that networking with other people is not a good thing. It is. It's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a good thing. But don't, don't not be yourself, you know, and, and if that's not you and that's not who you are, then don't feel like you have to go and do that because you can 100% 
let your work speak for itself. Yeah. You know, and if you like socializing and you like going out and talking to people and networking and stuff, hundred percent, go out and do it. If that's something you enjoy doing, but make sure you can back up what you're saying. Yeah. Don't be I, the used car salesman. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, I think it's from the military is, you know, you always had those guys that were just, just super studs, you know, and they, they didn't have to really try and they were just really good at it. And then there was guys that really worked hard to be good at it. And then there was guys that just didn't care. And, uh, I noticed that in business, there's those kind of owners too that are like that. They they're like super studs. They got to work all the time. They got to do this. They got to do that. They got to do this. They got to do that. And those guys get burned out because they get so consumed in it that they don't have an outlet. They don't have a they don't have an on off switch with it. And if they don't ever turn it off, you know, you're hearing about them four or five years later. They're like, I had a heart attack. He's 35 years old. It's like, dude, you got it. And then there's the Elon Musk's of the world that are just like. You know, on another level, oh, yeah, but yeah, I like, mean, yeah. those are few and far between. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true though, but I mean, the guy is an absolute genius, but I mean, we're getting off topic about him, but you could take things he's done, but the guy is a workaholic. I mean, oh, 100%. He'll, he'll even admit it. He's like, I am a workaholic. Yep. But, you know, I mean, he lost money for years with Tesla and uh, SpaceX and all that. He lost billions money. of dollars. A lot of people don't realize that. He told the investors when he started these companies, we're going to lose money for 20 years, and then we're going to start making money. And they just started making money, what was it, four or five years ago? Yeah. I mean, they didn't even get a return on investment until like, like four years ago. That's talking about insane passion and, and self-belief. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess that's another thing we should really touch on. You have to have a little bit of a delusional self-belief in your abilities when you start your business because you don't have anything to base it off of. You never owned a business. You never ran a business. You never started a business. You have to really want to do it. And then you have to have a almost a delusional self-belief in yourself that you're going to be able to do it in order to make it through because it's uh, it, it will be taxing. It's going to be hard in the beginning. And Elon Musk is an extreme example of that, but <laughs> everybody has to have a little bit of that in themselves in order yeah. to really succeed in business. You have to be a little bit delusional about your ability to, in order to do this and just keep going, man. Don't stop. Don't ever quit, man. Just got to have that grit. Like we talk about every episode, just dig deep, have the grit. Um, life's going to punch you in the face. Just learn how to get back up. They're going to punch you in the face again. Learn how to get back up. You're only going to be out of business when you decide you're going to stop being in business. No one will stop you, I promise That's you. That's it. The day, the day the business goes out is the day you quit. And just remember that. And just think about all the people that have supported you over the years and think about your guys and all the girls that might work in your office, whatever. That's what keeps me going every day. When I have a bad day, she, you know, Stephanie can tell you, I sit there and I'll tell her the only reason I didn't give up today was my guys. Yep, hundred percent. Or you call me and you make me laugh and tell me some stupid shit that happened <laughs> to you, and I'm just like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I didn't have that bad of a day. <laughs> or I call you and you're you're having a you know you're having a bad day, and I tell you what happened to me, and you're like, oh well, at least that didn't happen to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, so you know, we work. And the, maybe this is something we could recommend: get a friend, man, that's in the business that you do. Devin's my friend. Like, so we do this show together, but he can tell you, we talk almost every day. Like I call, he calls me or I call him, but we text at least once or twice a day and we at least check on each other. And that's something you got to do, man. Find somebody that you love in this business and fucking text them because text them, call them. And it could be a mentor. It just could be a friend. 
But that little thing right there, somebody else is in the room that knows what you're going through. Just think of it that way. Somebody is else is out there ex- knows exactly what you're dealing with, and they go, "You'll be all right, bro. You'll get through this. You've done it." Yeah, just a little bit of moral support. That's all. Because not everybody's <laughs> been there, and so you'll it it'll it's it's nice to know that there is somebody else out there. Just remember that, guys. You know, it, it's your mental health is just as important as anything else, and that's the thing that you were just talking about with physical activity and stuff. But the other thing is, is mental. You got to maintain your mental health. Because there's going to be times, guys, I'm, gonna, I'm dealing with it right now. I won't even lie about it. I'm getting 15 emails a day about my guys not moving fast enough in rock and all this stuff. I'm in rock job, dude. Rock is unpredictable. I don't care how long you've been doing it. Rock is very, very difficult work. You're in a rock job, too. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And they're just push. They're pushers. That's what they do. So they like to turn the pressure up. And that's fine. I'm not letting it. My guys were getting kind of hubbubbed about it and i i sent out a couple emails today to them saying hey guys you're kicking ass keep up the good work it's just motivators it's little things like that just be a motivator man motivate yourself motivate your guys yep that's all it is and you'll win you'll succeed i promise it's crazy it's all mental oh this this game's all mental that's all it is mindset above anything man yeah well brother enjoyed the episode cool man me too it's good. Uh, hey, guys, if you would, uh, please uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube if you're watching us. Um, please uh, give us our five stars on Spotify if you don't mind. And check out our Patreon. Um, I haven't really been active on it, but I'm going to start doing it. We're going to start putting shirts and stuff on there and all that kind of stuff. Throw some Ruben gear on there. Throw some Iron Eagle gear. If you guys want to support our companies, we'd love you for it. Um, we're going to start shooting some behind the scenes stuff that we'll put on there from us doing work and stuff. And we'll have like how to classes on how to install pipe or. How yeah. To, so, you know, we're not just full of shit and talking about our houses. Yeah. Yeah. Actually and know how to doing. do lifts and, <laughs> <laughs> and all that. So, uh, please, uh, check that out for us. We could use the support it helps. It, all it does guys is helps us with the show. Um, we have some guests from out of town that want to come. We'd love to be able to afford to fly them down here and stuff like that. So that would be really what it's for. Um, and also, please uh, please check us out on Apple um, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And uh, just leave us a rating, five-star review. We'd love it. And uh, I'm going to put some more questions down. But if you need to ask us anything, guys, just email us. It's ongrade88 at gmail.com. Shoot an email with any questions you want us to talk about. If you have anything you want to talk about, if you'd like to be on the show, uh, hit me or Devin up on our Instagrams. Or you can hit us up on the ongrade Instagram facebook any of those places so uh we'll be more than happy to have you on the show so uh dev you got anything you want to add brother that's it man like share subscribe shoot it out let us know if you want to talk about anything all right guys we'll see you next time you've been listening to the on grade podcast if you're wanting to get into the business grow your business or learn more about the trades of construction this is your hub Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. 
We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX, on Facebook at on grade podcast, on YouTube at on grade 5384, and find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the On Grade Podcast. <laughs>